0: It is a great morning to be together. Uh, if you're visiting here, I again uh, just want to extend a special welcome. We're just really glad you're here. I hope you felt welcomed. I um, hope that you'll consider um, kind of going on this journey with us. We are a one-year-old church, so we are a new church here in the Tri-Cities, and we're really excited for what God's doing. A lot lots been happening here uh, since our one-year anniversary just a few weeks ago. Um, we see God um, uh, just doing some incredible things. We're really blessed as a church um, uh, to have you all here, right, a, a growing body of believers. Um, we also have a pretty cool milestone. Um, if, if you might have noticed, might not have, but we have all new uh, sound equipment that the church owns all its own equipment now. So that's a, that's a cool little milestone for the church. Um, so good things happening and we're excited. Glad you can be here with us this morning. We have been studying uh, on Sunday mornings through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the story that immediately follows the story of Jesus' life. So it's, it's a story of the beginning of the church. And we're just a couple weeks into this, this series on Acts. So at this point, we've seen two primary things happen. After Jesus said, um, uh, left his apostles, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended to heaven, and now he, uh, and, and now his apostles are left to start the church. He, uh, he gave them this task. He said, I want you to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the game plan for the church was wait right I, I like that so just we want you to wait jesus says i want you to wait on the power of the holy spirit now the, now the holy spirit came at pentecost so that's first major thing we've seen in acts uh, the story of pentecost where the holy spirit comes in power they're speaking in other languages and people are hearing uh, the, you know the gospel message proclaimed in their own language and on that day uh, over 3000 people were baptized and the church had begun so we saw this um we saw this movement of god the holy spirit comes in power and then we saw the response of the people 3,000 people. Um, and, and so I want to I say that that is like uh, the story of the beginning of the church. And my prayer is that, that it continues to be the story of the church. Like we as a church, that, that this is our story, that, that, uh, that, that, that God is moving powerfully, right? The movement of God is essential for anything to be accomplished as, as a church. And then secondly, that, that we are people who are responding, to God's prompting and God's good work here in the world around us. I think that is a beautiful summation and story of what church can and should be. But we're going to go into a lot more detail. So if you're here for the first time today, um, I almost fell out of my chair, didn't I? Uh, if you're here for the first time today... Um, Uh, This is both a really good and a really bad day to be here for the first time. People always tell me the stool is wobbly, and I really don't mind it. It's just my favorite stool. And uh, the day I do fall, it'll be really funny. Um, So it's a really good day and kind of a bad day. I'll tell you why. Because we're going to talk about the church, and that includes church history. Wow, could there be a drier topic, right? And it's going to talk about just the vision of who we are and what's distinctive about us as a church. And so that that's a great day to be here and and, and just gain a little bit more vision for, for who we are and, and maybe what God's doing here in our community and through us. So let's uh, let's dive into Scripture. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And uh, we just have a brief little passage today, but there's some beautiful stuff and we're going to spin off it in, in some unique ways. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This is speaking of those 3,000 that were baptized. This is speaking of that beginning church, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. All right, that's our initial description of the church in the book of Acts, right? And, and I don't know how you read it. I don't know what you hear when you listen to that, but it might be one of two things. Either you see, wow, that is a deep community. That is just deeply cool. That's, a, that's amazing that they were so passionate and so on fire and so together. Or you read it and you say, yeah, I know what cults look like and that's kind of scary, Right, and and literally, some of us might read it and say, "Whoa, I'm I'm not ready to go there." Right, and and uh, and I could get that. Th- those are probably the two extreme like gut responses we might get from it. But I wanna I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about this first century church and and, and how it formed and and who it was and why it looked the way that it did. What we're not going to do today is read this passage as like a formula. Like, you got to do it like this, and if, if you check off these boxes, then you are the church, and you're perfect because it was perfect in its institution. That's not exactly how we're going to read it, simply because, um, I, I mean, as we read through the New Testament, we'll see the church struggled. It had problems, right? It, it, from the beginning, the church was about people, and it was flawed, and therefore, but but this does describe for us some really um, incredible distinctives. Now, as we read through this, and we and we look at these, I want you to think of like a family unit. A tight family unit, right? I think it's going to read a little bit easier and make a little bit more sense when we consider just the context of the depth of relationship and the passion and the purpose that's involved in family and the things that we do as family. So, so the distinctives, the main characteristics here in the first century church, uh, the devotion to the apostles' teaching. This is fascinating because we studied through Luke prior to to being in Acts as a church and uh, we saw how often the apostles were just confused and lost to what Jesus was really trying to accomplish. Um, So what has changed in this moment that now people are hanging on the words of these apostles that shortly before were so lost and confused? What's changed? The Holy Spirit right the Holy Spirit has come in power and and even I mean to the extent that they can speak to people in other languages right uh, the, the the Spirit has empowered them to communicate what Jesus had equipped them to to, to participate in which was the beginning of the church so here they are um, uh, teaching and the early church is hanging on their words, and won't be long before uh, these apostles and, uh, and and other men are writing letters to churches that that uh, have formed. So the book of Romans you'll find in the New Testament, the book of you know First and Second Corinthians. These are letters that were written to a church. And uh, what happened is these churches would would stand up and literally just read the letter that Paul or or, or Peter or James had written to them, right? And, and they'll read it to the church, and, and, and people are trying to understand. So so what does he have for us? What's God telling us what's what's Peter trying to instruct us on, how are we to live, how are we to be the church, and that's the story as it plays out, and they would immediately start distributing, they'd have scribes that would copy these um, uh, these letters from Paul, and and it, and it would spread to the other churches in the town and the surrounding region, and so quickly, what, what we read as scripture began to be distributed, you know, around the region and throughout the world, it began to spread as it would copy these letters. And so today, like, the Bible that that we have is translated out of literally thousands of of documents, many of them incomplete but partial, you know, documents of the letters that have been restored from 2,000 years ago. In our lifetime, we've heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls being found, and that was many more of these documents, continuing to confirm, I mean, thousands upon thousands of documents. In fact, in college, interesting fact, if you want to know more about Sarah, um, she was actually um, a part, she was a really high-level Greek student, way higher than me, uh, way higher, and uh, so she was a part of a project, you were compiling uh, the, the different um, documents, scans of the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and she was a part of a, a project that the university we were at was, was working on. So at any rate, um, these documents begin to be spread, and, and people are devoted to the teachings, like they want to know, what, what, what have we joined in uh, on, you know, this, this, this new, miraculous and beautiful movement. Devotion to fellowship. Uh, is the second distinctive that we, that we see there in the church. Uh, people who are committed to time together. And, and let's just say, if we are going to read this as a family, uh, y- y- relationships, community is not built outside of time spent together. And so yesterday, some of you were with us. I'm sorry for for those of you that weren't there because it was a blast. We did a selfie scavenger hunt, and uh, yesterday we managed to get three adult peoples from this church in the trunk of my car to take a selfie. And, And I mean, I think that's first century fellowship. That is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so they, they committed to time together, and, and yesterday was remarkable. I mean, relationships were built, we had fun together, we laughed, uh, I laughed more than I have in forever, right? We, and, and excellent food, and we're going to talk about that one in just a minute, okay? Because that's, that's in there too, okay? So devotion to fellowship, um, and then to breaking of bread time spent together. And this, this means two things. At the end of service today, we're going to, we're going to take communion together. We're going to break bread in that respect. And we're going to, that's, that's a remembering portion. Remembering what Jesus has done for us in the context of a community. But, but in the first century, this, this first church, they sat around dinner tables. And as they broke bread at a table together, they remembered Jesus together. I mean, it, it literally took, took place in the context of, of a table Table fellowship was core to the first church, and so yesterday as Ricardo and Lisa made some incredible food for us, like we got to share in that sort of communal meal where we gather together as believers, where where we share food and remember the goodness of God and laugh together. That's the fellowship. That's the table fellowship. That's the communion uh, stuff that they're talking about. They were devoted to prayer, which as a church, we'll, we'll talk more about, but, but devoted to prayer. And prayer is this two-way conversation in which, of course, we talk to God, but let's not kid ourselves, God knows what we need, right? It's not like we're informing him of something new. I think just as important in prayer is the way he transforms us, the way he shapes our hearts as we spend time in prayer. So prayer was pivotal in the life of the first century church. Uh, we see in the church generosity, like, you know, people would give up things for themselves. And I think the only context in, in which we can really understand why I would sell something of value to me to give it to someone else would be in the context of family, right? That kind of depth of relationship is where it starts to make sense that I will give up what I want for the sake of your needs, right? In the, in the context of a family, they were a growing movement, and they were joyful, right? And, and we'll talk more about joyful. That's one of our core values values as a church. So here's where I want to go for just a minute. I want to, someone shout out for me, what was your favorite subject in school? What what are favorite subjects in the room? Okay, English was favorite subject, what else? Oh, PE, that's a good one, of course. Yeah, recess is is, uh, Rachel's, what's that? Yeah, lunch and mechanics, quantum mechanics, of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Saw that one coming. What's that? Woodworking, okay, so yeah, favorite subjects. And I noticed that no one listed history, and specifically, oh, we did have some history, okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that we had some history. And a history teacher. Okay, so we do have some history. Now we're going to go a, a step beyond just history and talk church history, okay? For many of us, uh, but but we're going we're gonna to roll through this because I think it's fascinating and it's going to lead us to a really important point as we consider um, who we are and where we're headed as a church. So first of all, the church refers to a community of believers. The church is, is about the people. It's really easy to think of church in terms of the building that we go to or the name on, on, the, on the sign out front or the denomination we're a part of, right? It's really easy to think of church in terms, in those terms, but the church refers to the people. The followers of God. It's global. And, and it is, uh, it is what God has been doing for 2,000 years. And, and it is millions and millions of people strong. This is what we think of when, when we talk about church. Okay. And so the history of the church has been a fascinating one. And I'll just highlight a few little pieces. Uh, shortly after Jesus, um, left and the, and the church began, like in the passage we're reading, um, uh, shortly after that, some 40 years later or so, in about 70 um, AD, the church begins to experience persecution. So the Roman Empire, uh, is trying to shut down this little Jewish movement that's beginning to spread into Gentile regions, right? And, 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 and Rome is trying to shut it down. I mean, there was, um, emperors so cruel, rulers so cruel that, that they would, um, take and kill Christians or, or even burn them alive for the lighting in their gardens, right? That was the kind of persecution that the, the church began to experience. And that did two things. Uh, in, in some respects, it meant the church went underground. We've gotten to tour some underground, uh, uh, the what are they called the the catacombs yeah they're in italy um, uh, so uh, in some in some places the church went underground. It also caused for the church to to spread throughout the region and the world. The church was scattered, which helped to promote the growth of the church as well so so in, in seventy a d they began to experience persecution. Uh, it was as early as the 300s AD that, um, the first, uh, ruler, uh, instituted Christianity as the, uh, as a state religion. Now, this is an interesting blending, right? Now, now we've got a new, um, grassroots movement called Christianity blended now with the religion of the nation, of, of the country yeah and and then in time uh it, it became uh, the rome rome who who ruled the world uh became uh, you know a christian in name nation right um so as soon as church became institutional the the patterns began to change big ornate and beautiful buildings were built that people began to gather in instead of homes instead of sharing communion around a dinner table it was uh it, it was um Officiated by ordained priests, and only they could give the communion, right? So so the nature of the church began to change as it became uh, an institution in that respect. Through the Middle Ages, so like 5th century through 15th century, tons of developments and changes in the church, and some really, well, sometimes they're called the Dark Ages, and from a church history's perspective, that's an appropriate title. Just some really dark things happening, to be honest, uh, in, in the name of Christ, um, uh, it really religion, it was a world just um, fascinated by and terrified by magic. And so often the church became like um, a higher form of magic than the magic in the world, right? Which is probably not the first face you'd think of when you think of Christianity, but often that's the way um, churches operate, uh, you know, the the Catholic church operated in um, the medieval ages. And let me say, I don't say the Catholic church in any negative way. Catholic simply means the global church, the, the the entire the word Catholic means just its, its entirety. So. Um uh, the, the, the church took on some strange things. You've heard of the Crusades, right? And like wars fought in the name of Christ and just terrible things and, and tragic things in the name of the church and in the name of Christ. And it was in the 1600s that the Protestant Reformation came about. And so maybe you've heard of Luther who pinned his 95 thesis on the door um, of a Catholic church saying, you know, this is where I will stand. This is where scripture stands. And that began a whole new movement, the Protestant movement, of which we would say we're Part of though, there's really no clear definitions for what Protestant means. Like, there's no like defined specific thing. But um, the the Protestant Reformation began to change the nature of the church. So here's why I wanted to go through all that, because you listen to all that, and there is no way to deny that there is a dynamic and changing nature to church. Right? You look back at the church over history, and you're just forced to say, wow. There is good and there's bad. And those people that make up the church, they made good decisions and they made bad decisions. And the church has changed and things have happened over the course of history for the better and for the worse. And you realize a dynamic nature to what church is. Now this might be challenging, and I get that, and, 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 and we'll, we'll try to button this all together, but m- maybe this is going to require some more conversations, but we see a changing and dynamic nature to church. This is called, um, for historians, the historical problem. The fact that at no point in history is there one identifiable moment where, like, the church was in essence and perfect. I think the closest we would get, and some would argue that Acts 2 would represent that, um, but that's about the closest that we get in its, in its beginning and absolute form, but so quickly it began to change and this historical problem becomes a big question. Um, so the question is, is the church formed, as we consider, as we're about to shift gears and start to talk about us as a church, is it formed out of some absolute essence or some formula, or instead, is is the church formed out of the context in which it, it arises? Certainly the story of church history has said that context has influenced a church just as the church has influenced the context with which it's in. Right? That's, that's a story of history. The, the different forms the church has taken have so often been born out of the influences of the world and the necessity to connect with the community in which the church is being formed. Does, does that make sense? Are, are we tracking? Um, okay. So, so, so the church, uh, formed out of the context in which it, it arises. And these are the questions of theology. Um, and theology, uh, is simply the pursuit to know and to be able to articulate. God, right? It's a, it's a pursuit of knowledge and theology, um, from like the 12th century on has revolved around scientific knowledge and provable facts which is good but you might you might have heard these terms we live in a postmodern era in in which we no longer believe that that science defines everything and can be explained into its minutia but instead are realizing questions and and doubts and and the faith that's involved even in science Danny am I safe in saying that? The faith that's involved in, in even science and, and all that, right? Yeah, yeah, we've talked. Absolutely, right. So in this postmodern era, uh, so often as a church, we're still trying to speak in these modern era terms of scientific knowledge and explanation. And I'll tell you, many churches are just losing our young people because we're not speaking the language of, of their heart. We're not, we're not speaking to their questions and to their concerns, but instead to the things that we've always known. Okay. So here's where I want to shift. I want to shift gears for a couple minutes and I want to talk about, we, we looked at the distinctives of the first century church, right? A church that was devoted to the teaching of the apostles, devoted to fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, generosity, growth, and joy. I want to talk today about, as a, as a new church, one year old, some of the distinctives, some of the things that we feel like God has been leading us to. Um, some of the reasons we begin this journey, absolutely terrified, uh, un- you know, unknowing if we'd be able to put food on the table and if God, uh, and where God was moving in the process, right? Uh, but, but we, we begin this journey, uh, because we believe that God desires to do Incredible things in this community. And, and churches have, uh, church plants have this unique ability to engage new people in new ways and, and to operate in ways that are conducive to the needs of their community. So I want to run through some distinctives that, that we are finding, uh, all born of our understanding of God, our understanding of theology, our understanding of scripture, but all of them born, um, uh, uh, also out of the context in which we live. So as a strategic team, um, our, 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 leadership team that's now developing and expanding and we'll be asking you to be a part of, uh, very soon. Uh, one of the things that we started off with was what are kind of our core values? And, um, so it, we, we have this acronym James and it represents, uh, joyful, Authentic, modern, engaging, and safe. As we talked as a team and as Jen led us through, um, Jake and Jen led us through some, uh, just some exercises, we found that these are core to who we are as a people. Like, we want to be joyful and we want to be authentic. Uh, you know, we want to be modern. That's not modern in the respect of postmodern modern. That's modern in the respect of relevant in our culture. Um, we, we want to be engaging and we want to create a safe environment you know sometimes the relationships and and things at churches get messy we want to create safe place for people right so those are some of our core values that that the church began on. uh i want to say that as a church uh, distinctive this is not dis- this is not exclusive but distinctive that that we want to believe that the vine church ex- exists um as an extension of the mission of god We want to believe that, you know, we are not out trying to pursue something for ourselves or church for the sake of church, but instead we are in pursuit of a good God who is redeeming and reconciling Bringing healing and hope, like we want to define ourselves in those terms, the mission of God. We want to participate in in, in uh, reconciliation and right relationships uh, amongst each other, uh, with the world around us, and with God. We want to participate in God's mission. That's what we want to be defined as. Um, uh, prayer and, atten- and attentiveness to the Spirit are, are, are core to us. And, uh, we, you know, I think we're still working on developing as a church our rhythms for prayer and discerning the guidance of the Spirit. This week, Sarah and I have been blessed. It's been an awesome week. We've gotten to sit with three different families and share a meal over the course of the week and and, and just listen to the guidance of the Spirit in the context of community. That's that's pivotal for us. Uh, prayer, well, you know, we'll continue to, to— we'd ask that you continue to pray for the church. We'll continue to pray for guidance from God. As a church, we want to be growing in faith and knowledge. So this includes, you know, we, you, every week you're here, you'll find that, that we, are, we are digging into God's word, trying to find him speaking in it. We want to grow in that knowledge. We want to grow in that understanding. We think that is pivotal uh, as a church and in this journey. And we also want to grow in faith that ability to trust in God and to follow where the Spirit leads, okay? We want to create create a place of belonging, and so we talk about that most weeks. Belong, believe, become, Sarah Sarah already spoke about it, but this idea that you can belong here first, no matter who you are in your walk of life. We want to create a place that people can find a place of belonging, and in the context of relationship, consider what faith looks like. What does it look like to believe in Jesus and to become who he's invited me to be? But that in the context of belonging, that in the context of relationship. Um, we're a church that values equality. And and so we are so blessed that uh, in the last year Sarah was able to come on um, uh, in in a co lead pastoral role, and, and so um, Sarah, Sarah plays an equal equal role in, in this church as I do. Uh, equality comes in a lot of levels. There's a lot of ways in our culture people are marginalized and pushed to the sides of society, and and, and we want to be a church that invites uh, people to know equality for the low to be lifted up and the high to be brought down. I think those are both appropriate and good because in the kingdom of God, man, that's what, that's what Jesus came preaching about the kingdom of God. So equality is core to us. Um, we want to be diverse, uh, diverse like the kingdom of God. And this is a fascinating one to me. You can't force diversity, right? Uh, so, so, so how do you do that? But I am blessed uh, just to see the diversity that we are. Early in this process, we want to we want to uh, facilitate that. We want to invite people um, uh, to 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 know God. Everyone, we want to be diverse, like the kingdom of God. Diverse, like our community, right? So, so uh, wouldn't it be amazing if there could be a church that was diverse uh, ethnically and socioeconomics and 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 racially diverse, like the community in which it existed and. I'll admit friends it's a little bit of a pipe dream right because because uh we do we are drawn to people most like ourselves uh, but I am amazed by the kind of diversity that God is bringing about right and, and so how will we define ourselves is it uh is it is it by race is it by uh, um uh Class and society, or anything like that, or do we define ourselves as an open community inviting people to pursue Jesus? Well, that's grounds upon which equality can can begin, uh, and and diversity can can be formed. Um, service, uh, and and this is where I want to mention, like like Ricardo and Lisa uh, cooking for us yesterday. Like when we go to um, Second Harvest here in a few days, this is this is what we want to be doing: service within and service in our community. Um, Rather than assuming knowledge We want to learn to ask good questions And so this is where Church and church planting can be a little bit messy when one of our core values is let's ask the right questions rather than assuming the right knowledge. That's a slower process to church, right? That's a slower process to get anywhere we're going, but I absolutely believe it's the appropriate one where we ask hard questions, where we struggle together, where we find the guidance of the spirit and community. And then finally, uh, to breaking bread. Communion is, is something central uh, to the church. It's something central to us. As we believe something beautiful happens. Uh, when, as a, when as a church, as a community, we reflect on Jesus. We, re- we reflect on his sacrifice. So Chris, come up here and, and, and maybe get rolling for us. In, in a minute here, we're going we're gonna to take communion. Dean, will, will you dim the lights for us there? Um, and in a minute, we're going we're gonna to get to take communion uh, together. So so this is a time that as a church, uh, we come together. Each week we offer communion, but once a month we like to, to take time to highlight it in a special way. Uh, once a month we, li- we like to come together and we like to take it where we uh, get to pray together, where, where we get to, to remember Jesus, where sometimes we get to make eye contact, you know with, with our spouse or a friend as we take communion and remember that Jesus has invited us to something very special in a few minutes as we take communion um, we're, we're gonna we, we've got the bread out on the tables um, There's a gluten-free option over on that table if you want that um, And I'm gonna invite you as Chris uh, and Lindy play uh, A verse of a song for us that we're all we're all gonna go over and we're gonna take that bread and that bread represents Jesus body that was sacrificed for us. It represents a body that was broken, not because of wrong that He'd done, uh, but for the sake of many, for the sake of you and me. And so, in that bread, we remember Jesus' broken body, and we'll dip that in the grape juice that we have provided there. And and that that juice it, it represents His blood. And and as we as we take that that we remember um, His blood that was shed. But the cleansing, powerful hope that was born of of the blood of of Jesus, of, of his innocence...